hey, we are starting a new series. And I'm excited about this. I've been praying about this for months and just felt like uh, we need to talk about the Hunger Games. And I uh, put a little teaser out there on the church Facebook and, and said, you know, are you hungry? Somebody said, I know the answer is Jesus, but I'm thinking Snickers. And, and that's probably really close to accurate. And, and I'm sure some of you have been hungry before, but I know as a kid growing up, you know, I used to come in and tell my mom, Mom, I am, what did I say? Starving. And she would look at me and she'd be like, you don't know what hungry is. She would just tell me that. And of course I didn't know. And even as a child, you know, when I, she would say that, I mean, she would say something about, you know, real starving. And I got it, but I didn't get it. Because I've never been that hungry. Never. Not like that. I've seen that. Been, I've been, you know, confronted with that. But what are some other things? You know, when you're hungry, maybe you smell something, and what happens? Mouth waters. Then your stomach starts moving, and it's almost like you can taste it. And your stomach is growling, making some noises. And even as I'm saying that, what are you hungry for? Anybody? Cheeseburger? I hadn't thought of that. Okay, I don't know why. I love cheeseburgers. What else? Donuts. Donuts. <laughs> okay, donuts. Pizza, right? Pizza, oh my goodness. You know, and, and I'm different than a lot of people. I know some people, they'll say, well, what, what are you hungry for? And, and I'll say, you know, pizza. And then they'll say, well, I had that yesterday. I'm like, I don't care. I eat that every meal. If I like it, I'm going to eat it all the time. You know, growing up in San Diego, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you, I don't think there was one day I didn't have Mexican food. Not, probably not one day in my entire, you know, life that I recall not eating Mexican food. It was just what you do. It's part of my life. You know, somebody might be saying, have you ever noticed how Mexican and Italian, they're, they're similar in this, that almost every dish is basically the same thing, just in different proportions? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you've got pasta with Italian pasta sauce and maybe meat, but just created a little different, same thing. But it does different. It tastes different. And you crave some of those things. And it's funny how, you know, you can, I don't know if any of you have been outside of the United States and maybe away from certain things, or maybe you grew up in a certain area, or maybe you maybe here, and then you can't wait to get back to one food. I mean, there's certain things. I know when I go home to San Diego, I've got to have In-N-Out uh, burger. And I, again, that's something I would eat every day. If they were open for breakfast, I'd be there. Um, that's just funny that way. You know, one thing I've never thought that about is salad. That's just me. And maybe that shows. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, God created us as human beings with certain drives and, and uh, natural things he built in us for us to survive and thrive. He did that. I mean, if you'd never ate, of course you wouldn't live. So he puts that in you. He puts a natural drive to eat and you're attracted to certain things. And I remember when Nicole was pregnant with Grace, our first daughter, it was so funny because she kept saying she hadn't been eating red meat much. She just wasn't interested in it. And all of a sudden she's wanting red meat. And then once you know, we go to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, your iron's low. You're going to need to start eating more red meat. God does that. He intentionally gives us a hunger for what we need, a hunger for something that will benefit us. But of course, with everything, it comes down to balance, doesn't it? It comes down to balance, because if you overdo something, then those things get out of balance, and that's true with whatever. And the fact is, what you feed grows. You've thought of that, right, before? What you feed grows. So if you feed your body, it's going to grow, right? 
Now, of course, you're looking at me and thinking you're, I'm, you're thinking grow this way. That's not what I was talking about. I was thinking like feed it the right things and you're going to grow healthy. But the fact is, no matter what you feed, it grows. Your interests, interests are good and they drive you in certain directions. But most of the time, if you feed them in the wrong direction or you overfeed them, even those things can be bad. You, those interests can draw you, you know, too far, whether it's, a, whether it's, it's greed or, or, you know, bad things like that or lust. And if you feed it too many of inappropriate things, that drive that God put in you, which is normally a healthy thing in the normal, the normal uh, drive that he gave you, it can be out of balance and unhealthy. But on the other hand, you can also feed other things that will grow. You can feed hope. You can feed your spirit. You can feed your faith. You can feed parts of your spiritual body the same way. That's what we're talking about here is hunger games. Because what you feed grows. So my question, my question for today, are you hungry for God? Now some of you have been Christian a long time and maybe you can remember back to a time where you were really hungry. And maybe some of you, maybe, maybe you remember the time when the Bible came alive for the first time. Maybe before that in your life you would read and it was boring or maybe you just kind of got into maybe parts that weren't as interesting, maybe Leviticus or, or Matthew 5 where it's talking about who, whose father was whose father and then there was a time where you were hungry for it and you, could just, you couldn't get enough of it and you just devoured it like food. And what did it do? It strengthened and it, and it grew your spirit in a way that nothing else would. That's what we're talking about. Are you hungry for God? You know, God put that hunger in you. He did. And you can ignore it. You can act like it's not there, and most people do. But because it's there, they are drawn to, and they are searching for something that will satisfy them spiritually. The problem is, a lot of the things they go to are are not nutritious. In fact, worse than that, not only are they not nutritious, they're harmful to their spirit but they're trying to feed a spiritual hunger that really only God can satisfy. And that's what he does. He puts that in us. They might look for that satisfaction in money or power or fame or, or spiritual things. I visited somebody in the hospital a couple weeks ago and as I was, I was asked to go there, and they didn't know who I was, you know, and as a pastor, that happens a lot. And I don't mind doing that. If you have somebody, I mean, I, I'll walk in and they look at me like, who in the world is this? I know he's not a doctor. He don't look that smart, and he's not dressed right, or whatever. And then I tell him who I am, and then, you know, sometimes I get this. This is what they said. They said, first thing they said, well, we're not religious, but I'm spiritual. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, okay. I don't go to church. Okay. And they feel, they, feel, they feel this need to keep explaining, you know. And if you're just quiet long enough, it's funny. They'll tell you everything. And I'm not intended for that. It's just, it's just funny. But it reminded me of this. They are hungry and they're feeding on the wrong thing. They're hungry, and they're feeding on something that will not satisfy. In fact, what it's going to do, it's going to leave them sicker and sicker in their spirit, and it's never going to take them where they want to be. It just isn't. It's not the thing that will take them. The fact is, we're created for the eternal, and God has written his truth on our hearts. There's a great quote by Randy Alcorn. I put it online a couple days ago, but it says, God has written his truth on our hearts, and when people hear the truth spoken graciously, many are drawn to it because of the moral vacuum that they feel. 
It's that hunger within them and drawing them. Well, there's, one, there's many keys and many ways to grow closer to God and to meet that, that hunger and that need that you have. One of them is fasting. And as a church, not just Crown Point Church, I'm talking about the Christian church, we've kind of gotten away from some of those things that feed our spirit. Because some of them, it's kind of, and maybe this has happened to you where there's something where you know you should eat it, but you don't like it too much. Does anybody really like lima beans? Can we be honest for a second? Anybody at all? You can raise your hand. Let's see, there's like four people in the whole building. Maybe, how about, I'll just name a few things that I find particularly, whatever. Um, how about, anybody eat artichokes? Yes. Oh my goodness, really? All right. Um, well, anyway, there's a lot of those things where you just look at anything. Oh, how about, how about Brussels sprouts, for real? Oh my goodness. I remember, you know, as a kid growing up, my parents would say, you need to eat it, it's good for you. And I had to eat it. Well, spinach is, you know, it's, and I know we all have, our daughter Lily's famous for saying we all have different taste buds, and, and that's fine. But there are certain things in life that you may not be, you may not want to eat because it's a little bit of work, but you know it's good for you and you need to do it. <laughs> Fasting is one of those things. Fasting is one of those things that, that changes your perspective and grows your spirit in a way that nothing else will. You know, it's, it's funny, too, because fasting is all through the Bible, and we kind of see what we want to see sometimes, you know, in Scripture. And, and we kind of read over some of those other things. But it's there everywhere. It's everywhere in Scripture. In one, in one place, it's, it's clearly there, and you can see that the people in Scripture are using prayer, uh, fasting to, to strengthen their prayer life. Ezra was called on to rebuild the temple after after it had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and he was still in Babylonian captivity, and he, and he was preparing for the journey. It was a 900-mile journey with no protection, and here's what he says. He says, so we fasted and we petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. I never emphasized the fasting part here. I, I, I'm sure he would pray for a trip and protection, but I guarantee you I've never even thought of doing that. I want you to understand something, though. Fasting is not like, like some kind of spiritual uh, shoehorn, or it's not like you're holding a spiritual gun to God, and now he's compelled to do whatever you want. I don't want you to ever get that idea. The fact is, if you pray anything that's aside from his will, he's not going to answer that. But here's what you need to know. His will for you is good. It's always good. And it's always better than you thought. The thing is... You don't have to compel him for the things that are good for you. He wants that for you. He wants that for you. It may not look like what you think sometimes, but it will be the best thing for you. Fasting doesn't change God's hearing so he listens to you better. What it does most of the time is change you and change what you're praying for and change your perspective and change what you want and align it more with what he wants in the first place. Nehemiah he was also in Bab- Babylonian captivity. And in Nehemiah 1.3, it says, They said to me, he got a report from Israel, and he said, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And when Nehemiah heard this, it says he sat down and he wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. He fasted. Daniel, again, in captivity. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of somebody. 
and who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from the reading of the word of the Lord as revealed to the Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. Again, even in the New Testament, to seek God's guidance, the early church, they commissioned Saul and Barnabas as uh, missionaries. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and Come on, help me out here. You can talk in church right here. Okay, fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. A lot of times, even some, some other spiritual decision-making, look at what Saul and Barnabas did with it. They says, Barnabas and, Paul and Barnabas also anointed elders in every church with prayer and and they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Sometimes fasting is appropriate for expressing grief. In fact, in the Bible, the first uh, three of the first four references to bab- uh, fasting, even in the Bible, had something to do with expressions of grief, you, grief, usually with the nation of Israel as a nation grieving over sin that they had committed. At times, it's appropriate to seek deliverance or protection. You may remember the story of Esther and how the people of the Jews were going to be killed, and she had to intervene. And it was a big thing for her to intervene. And as we look to chapter 4, chapter four uh, verse 16, it says, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, those against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. Fasting is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing and it's everywhere in Scripture. I know you know that Jesus fasted, overcoming temptation and dedicating himself to God. I mean, who would think that Jesus would need to fast? I mean, wouldn't you think that the Son of God, here incarnate on earth, living a perfect life, that it wouldn't even be necessary? But he did. Here's what it says in Matthew 4, 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Very hungry. (laughs) Think about, there's so many other instances. Some to express love and worship to God. This this little example right here, you may remember in the, uh, the birth narrative, there were a couple people who blessed Jesus, the baby Jesus. One was Simeon, another was Anna. Look what it says about Anna. She, she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. That was her service and worship to God. <laughs> we know that uh, spiritual growth and power is a component of fasting. At one point, the disciples had trouble. They couldn't cast out a, a particular demon. He comes to Jesus. Jesus casts him out. Later, they tell him, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And he says, certain kinds only come out with prayer and fasting. Now, that's a difficult thing to to get in my mind, that there are actual power and different levels to life. Maybe maybe for you, there's something that you're struggling with, and it's a temptation that you've battled maybe forever. And you think, God, I I can't overcome this. I pray. I'm sorry. I fail. I get up again. And and don't, don't stop getting up again. But maybe you need extra power. And maybe this is a key that would help with this. The thing I wanted you to see with all of this is they will fast. 
If, if I were to ask you to raise your hands, and I'm not going to, if I were to ask the Christians all in this room, is fasting a regular part of your life? You'd probably say no, because it's kind of slipped out of, of modern Christianity. And maybe you might think, well, that's something other people do, or other religions are really serious, or maybe, maybe just priests or pastors or monks or whatever. Maybe you think that. And, and I understand if you do, because we don't talk about it a whole lot, and it's not a part of our regular life. It hasn't been a part of my regular life. In fact, there's, there's a couple people in this church who challenged me even last year, and they didn't intentionally do this. They came up and talked to me about the fast they were on, and I felt personally convicted and fasted really for the first time in ages, well, probably twice in the last two years. And I really felt convicted since that time about the fact that this is supposed to be part of our regular spiritual life. <laughs> we, if we're all honest, we're like, well, hold on, Pastor Dennis. I have trouble praying every day. I have trouble reading my Bible every day. You're asking me to do what? Yes, I am. I am. I am as your pastor because I care about your spiritual life. I care about what you do. Why would you fast? Well, the fact is, there's this instance here where one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating the groom? Of course not. I mean, Jesus was there with them. And then he follows up with this. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then, say it with me, they will fast. He's talking about us. He's talking about us. He assumed it would be part of our Christian experience, part of our, our work and, and, and developing a hunger and a more of a hunger for him. I know it's hard, but let me just caution us for a few minutes. You know, motives matter. Fasting isn't like, like I said a minute ago, it's not some way to coerce God into doing what you want. And, and fasting alone, it isn't something that just makes you more spiritual or a better Christian. It's not like that. Let me read to you from Isaiah 58, too. I love, I love when the Bible's sarcastic, because it makes me feel better about myself, but my own problems, I guess. But Isaiah 58, too. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of, of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. And this, in verse 3, it says, uh, We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? Did you catch this? It's not like you're going to go to God and say, Hey, I fasted three days. Aren't you impressed with me? Do what I want. He says, we've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Motives matter. Motives matter. They matter a lot. I saw this quote. It's really cool. A diet changes the way you look, but, but fasting changes the way you see. See, the fact is, if you were to fast, you would probably lose some weight. And, and it would change the way you look some but but the bigger more important thing is your spiritual eyes what are you going to see not how people see you what are you going to see what is going to god going to do through you and what is he going to show you that's different than what's going on now i want to 
I want to change the way I see. I want us to change the way we pray. I want us to change the way we see spiritual growth, not as something that just happens if I go to church here and there, but, but something I actually put effort into and work at. It's like the old, the old saying, you know, someone sees a concert pianist playing and they go up to him after the concert and they say, man, I'd give my life to play like that. What does a pianist say back? Really? Because I did. And we don't, we don't look at Christianity like that. We look at it as something like, yeah, I, I know he's the truth and I, I want to live for him and I try to you know, obey all the laws, but I've worked hard enough. The fact is, I want to see us grow in a way that's different than all that. So here's the thing. I know we have a lot of people who are new here today and I'm, it, was, it was great to meet you today. And we do a connect lunch we were supposed to have one today, but a lot of the people who were going to come couldn't make it, so we, we, what we did is we moved it to the 7th of February, and I'd love for you all to come so we can get to know you. And so some of you are here today, and you're thinking, whoa, I stepped into this kind of church family meeting here, and it, you know, it is like that, and we want you to join us, but here's the thing. I'm calling us to a fast as a church, but beyond that, I'm calling you to fast as an individual Christian between you and your God. I really believe that if you do this, it will change your life for the better. A fast that I'm calling you to, it needs to be serious and sincere. What I'm asking you to do is to willingly deprive yourself of the nutrients you need every day. What your body needs so that you can get what God wants to feed you. I'm calling you to a fast Something that is totally directed toward God. And while you deny yourself physical sustenance, you rely on Him for spiritual sustenance. I'm calling you to cooperate with His Spirit to work a change in you that needs to be changed. This is it's something that God, not only did, did Jesus expect us to do it, but there's certain ways He expected us to do it. The first thing he expected is humility. Look at what he says here. This is Matthew 6, 16. This comes right after the Lord's Prayer. He says, and when you, when you do, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever, ever get. There is a spiritual reward in fasting. Here he says in verse 17, but when you fast, if you have hair, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. That's what it comes down to. It's between you and him. Let me, let me give a little more definition. The most important thing what I'm calling you to is a personal fast, a personal fast. I want you to focus away from the things your body, your body needs, and I want you to develop a hunger for more of him, a hunger for more of him. I want you to develop a hunger for eternal things. Food is temporary and temporal. He is eternal. There's a world beyond what we live in every day and see, and it's actually more important. 
And a lot of times you don't see it unless you intentionally put it aside and focus on him. I want you to develop a hunger for a deeper relationship with God. A hunger to see your priorities in alignment with whatever his priorities are. I want you to focus and develop a hunger for a direction from him. Maybe you've had a question and it's, it's in the back of your mind. Sometimes it wakes you up at night. Sometimes you've talked to people about it, but it's left unanswered. I want you to develop a hunger that, so that that question is on your mind and developed right in front of him. I want you to hear from God what he wants you to prune. Spiritualize that'll look past the temporal and the physical. But with that, I want us to fast as a church also. So there is a difference here. I'm not asking us to fast over a certain thing that this church is dealing with. What I'm asking you to do is you to fast as a personal devotion to God, personally. But we're going to do it together. And as we do that together, what I want to do is, every day as we do this, I'll put something on the church Facebook as a point of corporate unified prayer, something for you to be praying about. It might be a certain missionary or missions in general. It might be a, a certain need of a person here in the church. It might be something that the church needs, something, whatever. But at that point, we will be praying and corporately focusing our prayer on one thing as you focus on what God wants you to focus on. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, pastor, I can't, I can't do that. You know, there's a lot of ways to fast. The traditional classic fast is, is water only. And, and water only, that's it. And you may be thinking, I cannot do that. And some of you are thinking, what's he asking us to do? I mentioned this to some, our prayer team and they said, you're only asking for one meal a day, right? Because that's all I can do. <laughs> I love that honesty. You know why? Because we're, hopefully none of us are impressed with phoniness or I'm going to do this or whatever. You may be thinking, when is this going to start? What is he asking? I hope you are. I'm trying to, I was trying to create that tension in you. Here's what I, I want to do with this, this fast. What I want us to do is I want you to prayerfully consider for the next week what part you, God is asking you to do for this next week. So this is your chance. Go to, you know, go to get your donut. I'm just kidding. What I want you to do for the next week is to say, God, are you calling me to this? And if so, what? What are you calling me to do? And then we'll start after service next week for the next two weeks. It's as simple as that. Now, I, I, some of you will choose to do a water-only fast. That's great. Some people choose to fast and they drink, you know, nutrient liquids like, like a juice or something. And, and that's great. Some of you physically can't fast food. I get that. I, <laughs> I know people who get really cranky when they don't eat. Some people, it's a physical impossibility. And if you need to talk to your doctor, do it. But I want you to consider this. Some of you have, have done the Daniel fast. It's, it's mentioned in Daniel, basically a vegetables-only type diet for, a week, for two weeks. For some of you, that is the fast that you need to do. Here's what I'm asking you to do. To take responsibility for your personal spiritual growth, and during this next week, go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him, God, what do you want me to do? 
I know you're, here's what I know for sure. He is calling you to a deeper relationship than you've ever, ever had. And he wants to use this tool, not even just this two weeks, but on a regular basis, he wants to use this tool for, to help you help yourself to become closer to him. So ask him, what is it? It might be, for you, it might be a day in the next two weeks, or maybe three days of each week. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me, but I don't know what it is for you. For some of you, it's going to be longer than that. This two weeks is just the beginning of a spiritual journey that you're going to take, and you know God is going to call you to that. But I don't want anybody to walk into this just because they feel the emotion or they feel like, oh, we need to do this, pastors ask us to do this, and we need to do this. The point is for you to grow and to focus on God during this time. That's the point. If you need to look more into fasting, there are so many resources available I mean, obviously, the computer offers tons of resources. I can just tell you that there are physical benefits to fasting as well as spiritual, but the spiritual ones are what we're focused on. And it's tough. What do Christians do for fellowship? We eat. (laughs) That's what we do. I know, it's awkward. And you might be around other people or people who are not even Christians, and you go, you may be part of your job is having lunch with people. And what are you going to say? I don't know. I don't know. I know that can be awkward. I've had to do it. But you know what? You can just simply say, yeah, I'm not eating today. And if they want to know more, maybe that's an opportunity for you to share your faith with them at a level that's different than ever before. Maybe. I know it can be tough. You're, you're, maybe you're fixing the, the meal for the family. And, and uh, somebody told me uh, that they were doing that. Actually, this morning, somebody told me they were doing that and they felt called to fast and then they were fixing soup and they just ate a little piece of celery out of there and then they felt like they totally failed God. And I laughed because to me, celery would be almost count as fasting if you're eating it. But here's the thing. As you fast, say you are fasting and you struggle a day and you, you, you eat something. Have you failed God? Really? You know what he wants from us? He wants from us constant growth. He wants us. He will meet you as you walk toward him. He runs to you. He he doesn't put you out there and tell you do this on your own and struggle with it. What he does is he walks with you through the struggle and you grow closer to him at every moment. You know what I look at it as? Maybe you've had this experience where maybe you were at a camp or or maybe you were at a... a, um, you know, an event where you, you were spending the night with other people and then you ended up having all these opportunities to talk. Have you ever noticed how your relationships can accelerate under those circumstances? And you feel like you walk out of them. I've known this person all my life. I've only known him for one day, but we talked for like, you know, six hours. That's how this is. It accelerates your relationship with God and takes it to a level that you've never been at before. I would love for our worship team to come back up here for a moment. I ask you, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Let me ask you this question. How much of God do you really want? That can be scary, can't it? Because there are parts of God that we don't know and it's hard to know. I mean, is he going to ask for things I don't want to give him? 
probably, if you're a human being, there are things that you want, that your spirit wants, that are in, in conflict with what he wants. My challenge to you is to put that on the altar, put that before him, and let him work in your life. <laughs> My challenge to you is this. Let me ask you this question. This is kind of a painful question, just warning you in advance. Is there ever a time in your life where you are actually closer to God than you are right now? If so, by definition, you've slipped back a little bit and you need to get closer to him. I'm asking you to intentionally put your relationship with him over your stomach. To intentionally grow and to feed your spirit. To be more hungry for God than you are for food. I'm excited to see what God might do in your life. Wait, I take that back. I'm excited to see what God will do in your life. I anticipate hearing miracle after miracle. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about necessarily like big flashy things. What I'm talking about is personal breakthroughs where you have been struggling with something and God has brought an answer. Maybe a person that you have been praying for for years and years. And God will bring a breakthrough. Maybe it's something where you feel like you've hit a wall in your career or something. And God will do amazing things. I'm excited to see what he will do. I'm excited to see what God will do in our church. In our church. Because of you. You are the church. As God builds you, that builds this church. This body of Christ. There are no barriers that God cannot break through with people who are yielded to him and open to him. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second, just for privacy's sake. As your eyes are closed, let me ask this. I know this hasn't been a salvation message, but I don't want to ever go through a service without giving somebody the opportunity to respond to God's spirit. Just as he spoke to us earlier in the service, he speaks to us in our hearts and minds. And there may very well be somebody who's come to church today and you're You've been considering following Christ and you want to follow him with all your heart today. Is anybody like that? Maybe you've come back to him today and you just want to raise your hand and let us pray with you this morning. Anybody at all like that? Scan in the crowd. Keep, if you raise your hand, hold it up for a minute so I can catch it. I do see those two hands. I see your hands there today. Here's what we're going to do as, a, as an entire church together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I just want you to repeat after me. And those of you, those two who raised your hands, I want you to especially pray this. What we're going to do is just be honest with God about, about what's kept us between Him, from Him, and that we want Him to come in. That's what we're going to pray. So join me in this prayer. Pray with me. Father God, I am so thankful for the sacrifice you made with your Son. Sorry for the things I've done wrong. The things that have separated me from relationship with you.